File number 17 of Farthest North, Volume 1. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sharon Riskadal. Farthest North by Fritjof Nansen, Volume 1. Chapter 8, Second Autumn in the Ice, Part 1. So summer was over, and our second autumn and winter were beginning. But we were now more inured to the trials of patience attendant on this life, and time passed quickly. Besides, I myself was now taken up with new plans and preparations. Allusion has several times been made to the fact that we had, during the course of the summer, got everything into readiness for the possibility of having to make our way home across the ice. Six double kayaks had been built, the hand-sledges were in good order, and careful calculation had been made of the amount of food, clothing, fuel, etc., that it would be necessary to carry. But I had also quietly begun to make preparations for my own meditated expedition north. In August, as already mentioned, I had begun to work at a single kayak, the framework made of bamboo. I had said nothing about my plan yet, except a few words to Sverdrup. It was impossible to tell how far north the drift would take us, and so many things might happen before spring. In the meantime, life on board went on as usual. There were the regular observations and all sorts of occupations, and I myself was not so absorbed in my plans that I did not find time for other things, too. Thus I see from my diary that in the end of August and in September I must have been very proud of a new invention that I made for the galley. All last year we had cooked on a particular kind of copper range heated by petroleum lamps. It was quite satisfactory, except that it burned several quarts of petroleum a day. I could not help fearing sometimes that our lighting supply might run short if the expedition lasted longer than was expected, and always wondered if it would not be possible to construct an apparatus that would burn coal oil, black oil, as we call it on board, of which we had twenty tons, originally intended for the engine. And I succeeded in making such an apparatus. On August 30th I write, have tried my newly invented coal oil apparatus for heating the range, and it is beyond expectation successful. It is splendid that we shall be able to burn coal oil in the galley. Now there is no fear of our having to cry ourselves blind for lack of light by and by. This adds more than 4,000 gallons to our stock of oil, and we can keep all our fine petroleum now for lighting purposes, and have lamps for many a year, even if we are a little extravagant. The 20 tons of coal oil ought to keep the range going for four years, I think. The contrivance is as simple as possible. From a reservoir of oil, a pipe leads down and into the fireplace. The oil drips down from the end of this pipe into an iron bowl, and is here sucked up by a sheet of asbestos or by coal ashes. The flow of oil from the pipe is regulated by a fine valve cock. To ensure a good draft, I bring a ventilating pipe from outside right by the range door. Air is pressed through this by a large wind sail on deck and blows straight on to the iron bowl, where the oil burns briskly with a clear white flame. Whoever lights the fire in the morning has only to go on deck and see that the wind sail is set to the wind, to open the ventilator, 
to turn the cock so that the oil runs properly and then set it burning with a scrap of paper it looks after itself and the water is boiling in twenty minutes or half an hour one could not have anything much easier than this it seems to me but of course in our as in other communities it is difficult to introduce reforms everything new is looked upon with suspicion somewhat later i write of the same apparatus we are now using the galley again with the coal-oil fire the moving down took place the day before yesterday and the fire was used yesterday it works capitally a three-foot wind is enough to give a splendid draught the day before yesterday when i was sitting with some of the others in the saloon in the afternoon i heard a dull report out in the galley and said at once that it sounded like an explosion presently pettersen stuck a head in at the door as black as a sweep's great lumps of soot all over it and said that the stove had exploded right into his face he was only going to look if it was burning rightly and the whole fiendish thing flew out at him a stream of words not unmingled with oaths flowed like peas out of a sack while the rest of us yelled with laughter in the galley it was easy to see that something had happened the walls were covered with soot in lumps and stripes pointing toward the fireplace the explanation of the accident was simple enough the draught had been insufficient and a quantity of gas had formed which had not been able to burn until air was let in by pettersen opening the door this is a good beginning i told pettersen in the evening that i would do the cooking myself next day when the real trial was to be made but he would not hear of such a thing he said i was not to think that he minded a trifle like that i might trust to its being all right and it was all right from that day i heard nothing but praise of the new apparatus and it was used until the fram was out in the open sea again thursday september sixth eighty one degrees thirteen point seven minutes north latitude have i been married five years to-day last year this was a day of victory when the ice fetters burst at timor island but there is no thought of victory now we are not so far north as i had expected the northwest wind has come again and we are drifting south and yet the future does not seem to me so long and so dark as it sometimes has done next september sixth can it be possible that then every fetter will have burst and we shall be sitting together talking of this time in the far north and of all the longing as of something that once was and that will never be again the long long night is past the morning is just breaking and a glorious new day lies before us and what is there against this happening next year why should not this winter carry the fram west to some place north of franz josef land and then my time has come and off i go with dogs and sledges to the north my heart beats with joy at the very thought of it the winter shall be spent in making every preparation for that expedition and it will pass quickly i have already spent much time on these preparations i think of everything that must be taken and how it is to be arranged and the more i look at the thing from all points of view the more firmly convinced do i become that the attempt will be successful if only the fram can get north in reasonable time not too late in the spring 
if she could just reach eighty four degrees or eighty five degrees then i should be off in the end of february or the first days of march as soon as the daylight comes after the long winter night and the whole would go like a dance only four or five months and the time for action will have come again what joy when i look out over the ice now it is as if my muscles quivered with longing to be striding off over it in real earnest fatigue and privation will then be a delight it may seem foolish that i should be determined to go off on this expedition when perhaps i might do more important work quietly here on board but the daily observations will be carried on exactly the same i have celebrated the day by arranging my workroom for the winter i have put in a petroleum stove and expect that this will make it warm enough even in the coldest weather with the snow walls that i intend to build round the outside of it and a good roof covering of snow at least double the amount of work will be done if this cabin can be used in winter and i can sit up here instead of in the midst of the racket below i have such comfortable times of it now in peace and quietness letting my thoughts take their way unchecked sunday september ninth eighty one degrees four minutes north latitude the midnight sun disappeared some days ago and already the sun sets in the northwest it is gone by ten o'clock in the evening and there is once more a glow over the eternal white winter is coming fast another peaceful sunday with rest from work and a little reading out snowshoeing to-day i crossed several frozen-over lanes and very slight packing has begun here and there i was stopped at last by a broad open lane lying pretty nearly north and south at places it was four hundred to five hundred yards across and i saw no end to it either north or south the surface was good one got along quickly with no exertion at all when it was in the direction of the wind this is undeniably a monotonous life sometimes it feels to me like a long dark night my life's ragnarok dividing it into two the sun is darkened the summer's with it all weather is weighty with woe snow covers the earth the wind whistles over the endless plains and for three years this winter lasts till comes the time for the great battle and men tramp hell's way there is a hard struggle between life and death but after that comes the reign of peace the earth rises from the sea again and decks itself anew with verdure torrents roar eagles hover over them watching for fish among the rocks and then valhalla fairer than the sun and long length of happy days pettersen who is cook this week came in here this evening as usual to get the bill of fare for next day when his business was done he stood for a minute and then said that he had had such a strange dream last night he had wanted to be taken as cook with a new expedition but dr nansen wouldn't have him and why not well this was how it was i dreamed that dr nansen was going off across the ice to the pole with four men and i asked to be taken but you said that you didn't need a cook on this expedition and i thought that was queer enough for you would surely want food on this trip as well it seemed to me that you had ordered the ship to meet you at some other place anyhow you were not coming back here but to some other land it's strange that one can lie and rake up such a lot of nonsense in one's sleep 
That was perhaps not such very great nonsense, Pettersen. It is quite possible that we might have to make such an expedition, but if we did, we should certainly not come back to the Fram. Well, if that happened, I would ask to go, sure enough, for it's just what I should like. I'm no great snowshoer, but I would manage to keep up somehow. That's all very well, but there's a great deal of weary hard work on a journey like that. You needn't think it's all pleasure. No, no one would expect that, but it would be all right if I might only go. But there might be worse than hardships, Pettersen. It would more than likely mean risking your life. I don't care for that either. A man has got to die sometime. Yes, but you don't want to shorten your life? Oh, I would take my chance of that. You can lose your life at home, too, though perhaps not quite so easily as here. But if a man was always to be thinking about that, he would never do anything. That's true. Anyhow, he would not need to come on an expedition like this. But remember that a journey northward over the ice would be no child's play. No, I know that well enough, but if it was with you, I shouldn't be afraid. It would never do if we had to manage alone. We'd be sure to go wrong, but it's quite a different thing, you see, when there is one to lead that you know has been through it all before. It is extraordinary, the blind faith such men have in their leader. I believe they would set off without a moment's reflection if they were asked to join in an expedition to the pole now, with black winter at the door. It is grand as long as the faith lasts, but God be merciful to him on the day that it fails. Saturday, September 15th. This evening we have seen the moon again for the first time. Beautiful full moon, and a few stars were also visible in the night sky, which is still quite light. Notices were posted up today in several places. They ran as follows. As fire here on board might be followed by the most terrible consequences, too great precaution cannot be taken. For this reason, every man is requested to observe the following rules most conscientiously. 1. No one is to carry matches. 2. The only places where matches may be kept are 1. The galley where the cook for the time being is responsible for them. 2. The four single cabins where the inmate of each is responsible for his box. 3. The work cabin when work is going on. 4. On the mast in the saloon from which neither box nor single matches must be taken away under any circumstances. 3. Matches must not be struck anywhere except in the places above named. 4. The one exception to the above rules is made when the forge has to be lighted. 5. All the ship's holds are to be inspected every evening at 8 o'clock by the fire inspector, who will give in his report to the undersigned. After that time, no one may, without special permission, take a light into the holds or into the engine room. 6. Smoking is only allowed in the living rooms and on deck. Lighted pipes or cigars must on no account be seen elsewhere. Fritjof Nansen, from September 15th, 1894. Some of these regulations may seem to infringe on the principle of equality which I have been so anxious to maintain, but these seem to me the best arrangements I can make to ensure the good of all, and that must come before everything else. Friday, September 21st. 
we have had tremendously strong wind from the northwest and north for some days with a velocity at times of thirty-nine and forty-two feet during this time we must have drifted a good way south the radical right had got hold of the helm said amundsen but their time in power was short for it fell calm yesterday and now we are going north again and it looks as if the left were to have a spell at the helm to repair the wrongs done by the right kennels for the dogs have been built this week a row of splendid ice-houses along the port side of the ship four dogs in each house good warm winter quarters in the meantime our eight little pups are thriving on board they have a grand world to wander round the whole foredeck with an awning over it you can hear their little barks and yelps as they rush about among shavings hand sledges the steam winch mill axle and other odds and ends they play a little and they fight a little and forward under the forecastle they have their bed among the shavings a very cosy corner where kvik lies stretched out like a lioness in all her majesty there they tumble over each other in a heap round her sleep yawn eat and pull each other's tails it is a picture of home and peace here near the pole which one could watch by the hour life goes its regular even uneventful way quiet as the ice itself and yet it is wonderful how quickly the time passes the equinox has come the nights are beginning to turn dark and at noon the sun is only nine degrees above the horizon i pass the day busily here in the work cabin and often feel as if i were sitting in my study at home with all the comforts of civilization round me if it were not for the separation one could be as well off here as there sometimes i forget where i am not infrequently in the evening when i have been sitting absorbed in work i have jumped up to listen when the dogs barked thinking to myself who can be coming then i remember that i am not at home but drifting out in the middle of the frozen polar sea at the commencement of the second long arctic night the temperature has been down to one point four degrees fahrenheit below zero minus seventeen degrees celsius today. winter is coming on fast there is little drift just now and yet we are in good spirits it was the same last autumn equinox but how many disappointments we have had since then how terrible it was in the later autumn when every calculation seemed to fail as we drifted farther and farther south not one bright spot on our horizon but such a time will never come again there may still be great relapses there may be slow progress for a time but there is no doubt as to the future we see it dawning bright in the west beyond the arctic night sunday september twenty third it was a year yesterday since we made fast for the first time to the great hummock in the ice hansen improved the occasion by making a chart of our drift for the year it does not look so very bad though the distance is not great the direction is almost exactly what i had expected but more of this to-morrow it is so late that i cannot write about it now the nights are turning darker and darker winter is settling down upon us tuesday september twenty fifth i have been looking more carefully at the calculation of our last year's drift if we reckon from the place where we were shut in on the twenty-second of september last year to our position on the twenty-second of september this year the distance we have drifted is one hundred eighty-nine miles equal to three degrees nine minutes latitude 
reckoning from the same place but to the farthest north point we reached in summer july sixteenth makes the drift two hundred twenty five miles or three degrees forty six minutes but if we reckon from our most southern point in the autumn of last year november seventh to our most northern point this summer then the drift is three hundred five miles or five degrees five minutes we got fully four degrees north from seventy seven degrees forty three minutes to eighty one degrees fifty three minutes to give the course of the drift is a difficult task in these latitudes as there is a perceptible deviation of the compass with every degree of longitude as one passes east or west the change of course given in degrees will be almost exactly the same as the number of degrees of longitude that have been passed our average course will be about north thirty six degrees west the direction of our drift is consequently a much more northerly one than the jeannette's was and this is just what we expected ours cuts hers at an angle of fifty nine degrees the line of this year's drift continued will cut the northeast island of spitzbergen and take us as far north as eighty four degrees seven minutes in seventy five degrees east longitude somewhere north northeast of franz joseph land the distance by this course to the northeast island is eight hundred twenty seven miles should we continue to progress only at the rate of one hundred eighty nine miles a year it would take us four point four years to do this distance but assuming our progress to be at the rate of three hundred five miles a year we shall do it in two point seven years that we should drift at least as quickly as this seems probable because we can hardly now be driven back as we were in october last year when we had the open water to the south and the great mass of ice to the north of us the past summer seems to me to have proved that while the ice is very unwilling to go back south it is most ready to go northwest as soon as there is ever so little easterly not to mention southerly wind i therefore believe as i always have believed that the drift will become faster as we get farther northwest and the probability is that the fram will reach norway in two years the expedition having lasted its full three years as i somehow had a feeling that it would as our drift is fifty nine degrees more northerly than the jeannette's and as franz joseph land must force the ice north taking for granted that all that comes from this great basin goes round to the north of franz joseph land it is probable that our course will become more northerly the farther on we go until we are past franz joseph land and that we shall consequently reach a higher latitude than our drift so far would indicate i hope eighty-five degrees at least everything has come right so far the direction of our drift is exactly parallel with the course which i conjectured to have been taken by the flow with the jeannette relics and which i pricked out on the chart prepared for my london address this course touched about eighty-seven and a half degrees north latitude i have no right to expect a more northerly drift than parallel to this and have no right to be anything but happy if i get as far our aim as i have so often tried to make clear is not so much to reach the point in which the earth's axis terminates as to traverse and explore the unknown polar sea 
and yet I should like to get to the pole, too, and hope that it will be possible to do so, if only we can reach 84 degrees or 85 degrees by March, and why should we not? Thursday, September 27th. Have determined that beginning from tomorrow, every man is to go out snowshoeing two hours daily, from 11 to 1, so long as the daylight lasts. It is necessary. If anything happened that obliged us to make our way home over the ice, I am afraid some of the company would be a terrible hindrance to us, unpracticed as they are now. Several of them are first-rate snowshoers, but five or six of them would soon be feeling the pleasures of learning. If they had to go out on a long course, and without snowshoes, it would be all over with us. After this, we used to go out regularly in a body. Besides being good exercise, it was also a great pleasure. Everyone seemed to thrive on it, and they all became accustomed to the use of the shoes on this ground, even though they often got them broken in the unevenness of the pressure ridges. We just patched and riveted them together to break them again. Monday, October 1st. We tried a hand sledge today with a load of 250 pounds. It went along easily, and yet was hard to draw, because the snowshoes were apt to slip to the side on the sort of surface we had. I almost believe that Indian snowshoes would be better on this ground, where there are so many knobs and smooth hillocks to draw the sledges over. When Amundsen first began to pull the sledge, he thought it was nothing at all but when he had gone on for a time he fell into a fit of deep and evidently sad thought and went silently home. When he got on board he confided to the others that if a man had to draw a load like that he might just as well lie down at once. It would come to the same thing in the end. That is how practice is apt to go. In the afternoon I yoked three dogs to the same little sledge with the 250 pounds load, and they drew it along as if it were nothing at all. Tuesday, October 2nd. Beautiful weather, but coldish. 49 degrees Fahrenheit of frost, minus 27 degrees Celsius during the night, which is a good deal for October, surely. It will be a cold winter if it goes on at the same rate. But what do we care whether there are 90 degrees of frost or 120 degrees? A good snowshoeing excursion today. They are all becoming most expert now, but darkness will be on us presently, and then there will be no more of it. It is a pity. This exercise is so good for us. We must think of something to take its place. I have a feeling now as if this were to be my last winter on board. Will it really come to my going off north in spring? The experiment in drawing a loaded hand sledge over this ice was certainly anything but promising, and if the dog should not hold out, or should be of less use than we expect, and if we should come to worse ice instead of better, well, we should only have ourselves to trust to. But if we can just get so far on with the Fram that the distance left to be covered is at all a reasonable one, I believe that it is my duty to make the venture, and I cannot imagine any difficulty that will not be overcome when our choice lies between death and onward and home. Thursday, October 4th. The ice is rather impassable in places, but there are particular lanes or tracts. Taking it altogether, it is in good condition for sledging and snowshoeing, though the surface is rather soft so that the dogs sink in a little. 
this is probably chiefly owing to there having been no strong winds of late so that the snow has not been well packed together life goes on in the regular routine there is always some little piece of work turning up to be done yesterday the breaking in of the young dogs began it was just the three barbara freya and susina gulibrand is such a miserable thin wretch that he is escaping for the present they were unmanageable at first and rushed about in all directions but in a little while they drew like old dogs and were altogether better than we expected gvik of course set them a noble example it fell to mogstad's lot to begin the training as it was his week for looking after the dogs this duty is taken in turns now each man has his week of attending to them both morning and afternoon it seems to me that a very satisfactory state of feeling prevails on board at present when we are just entering on our second arctic night which we hope is to be a longer and probably also a colder one than any people before us have experienced there is appreciably less light every day soon there will be none but the good spirits do not wane with the light it seems to me that we are more uniformly cheerful than we have ever been what the reason of this is i cannot tell perhaps just custom but certainly too we are well off in clover as the saying is we are drifting gently but it is to be hoped surely on through the dark unknown nevelheim where terrified fancy has pictured all possible horrors yet we are living a life of luxury and plenty surrounded by all the comforts of civilization i think we shall be better off this winter than last the firing apparatus in the galley is working splendidly and the cook himself is now of opinion that it is an invention which approaches perfection so we shall burn nothing but coal oil there now it warms the place well and a good deal of the heat comes up here into the workroom where i sometimes sit and perspire until i have to take off one garment after another although the window is open and there are thirty odd degrees of cold outside i have calculated that the petroleum which this enables us to keep for lighting purposes only will last at least ten years though we burn it freely three hundred days in the year at present we are not using petroleum lamps at the rate assumed in my calculation because we frequently have electric light and then even here summer comes once a year or at any rate something which we must call summer even allowing for accidents such as the possibility of a tank springing a leak and the oil running out there is still no reason whatever for being sparing of light and every man can have as much as he wants what this means can best be appreciated by one who for a whole year has felt the stings of conscience every time he went to work or read alone in his cabin and burned a lamp that was not absolutely necessary because he could have used the general one in the saloon as yet the coals are not being touched except for the stove in the saloon where they are to be allowed to burn as much as they like this winter the quantity thus consumed will be a trifle in comparison with our store of about one hundred tons for which we cannot well have any other use until the fram once more forces her way out of the ice on the other side another thing that is of no little help in keeping us warm and comfortable is the awning that is now stretched over the ship 
the only part i have left open is the stern abaft the bridge so as to be able to see round over the ice from there personally i must say that things are going well with me much better than i could have expected time is a good teacher that devouring longing does not gnaw so hard as it did is it apathy beginning shall i feel nothing at all by the time ten years have passed oh sometimes it comes on with all its old strength as if it would tear me in pieces but this is a splendid school of patience much good it does to sit wondering whether they are alive or dead at home it only almost drives one mad all the same i never grow quite reconciled to this life it is really neither life nor death but a state between the two it means never being at rest about anything or in any place a constant waiting for what is coming a waiting in which perhaps the best years of one's manhood will pass it is like what a young boy sometimes feels when he goes on his first voyage the life on board is hateful to him he suffers cruelly from all the torments of seasickness and being shut in within the narrow walls of the ship is worse than prison but it is something that has to be gone through beyond it all lies the south the land of his youthful dreams tempting with its sunny smile in time he arises half dead does he find his south how often it is but a barren desert he is cast ashore on sunday october seventh it has cleared up this evening and there is a starry sky and aurora borealis it is a little change from the constant cloudy weather with frequent snow showers which we have had these last days thoughts come and thoughts go i cannot forget and i cannot sleep everything is still all are asleep i only hear the quiet step of the watch on deck the wind rustling in the rigging and the canvas and the clock gently hacking the time in pieces there on the wall if i go on deck there is black night stars sparkling high overhead and faint aurora flickering across the gloomy vault and out in the darkness i can see the glimmer of the great monotonous plain of the ice it is all so inexpressibly forlorn so far far removed from the noise and unrest of men and all their striving what is life thus isolated a strange aimless process and man a machine which eats sleeps awakes eats and sleeps again dreams dreams but never lives or is life really nothing else and is it just one more phase of the eternal martyrdom a new mistake of the erring human soul this banishing of oneself to the hopeless wilderness only too long there for what one has left behind am i a coward am i afraid of death oh no but in these nights such longing can come over one for all beauty for that which is contained in a single word and the soul flees from this interminable and rigid world of ice when one thinks how short life is and that one came away from it all of one's own free will and remembers too that another is suffering the pain of constant anxiety true true till death o mankind thy ways are passing strange we are but as flakes of foam helplessly driven over the tossing sea wednesday october tenth exactly thirty-three years old then there is nothing to be said to that 
except that life is moving on and will never turn back. They have all been touchingly nice to me today, and we have held fete. They surprised me in the morning by having the saloon ornamented with flags. They had hung the union above Sverdrup's place. We accused Amundsen of having done this, but he would not confess to it. Above my door, and over Hansen's, they had the pennant with Fram in big letters. It looked most festive when I came into the saloon, and they all stood up and wished me many happy returns. When I went on deck, the flag was waving from the mizzen masthead. We took a snowshoeing excursion south in the morning. It was windy, bitter weather. I have not felt so cold for long. The thermometer is down to 24 degrees Fahrenheit below zero, minus 31 degrees Celsius this evening. This is certainly the coldest birthday I have had yet. A sumptuous dinner. 1. Fish pudding. 2. Sausages and tongue with potatoes, haricot beans, and peas. 3. Preserved strawberries with rice and cream. Crown extract of malt. Then, to everyone's surprise, our doctor began to take out of the pocket of the overcoat he always wears remarkable-looking little glasses, medicine glasses, measuring glasses, test glasses, one for each man, and lastly, a whole bottle of Lisholmer liqueur, real native Lisholmer, which awakened general enthusiasm. Two drums of that per man was not so bad, besides a quarter of a bottle of extract of malt. Coffee after dinner, with a surprise, in the shape of apple cake, baked by our excellent cook Pedersen, formerly Smith and Engineer. Then I had to produce my cigars, which were also much enjoyed, and of course we kept holiday all the afternoon. At supper there was another surprise, a large birthday cake, from the same baker, with the inscription T.L.M.D., to Lika Madagen, the Norwegian equivalent for wishing a happy birthday, ten ten ninety four. In the evening came pineapples, figs, and sweets. Many a worse birthday might be spent in lower altitudes than eighty one degrees. The evening is passing with all kinds of merriment. Every one is in good spirits. The saloon resounds with laughter. How many a merry meeting it has been the scene of. But when one has said good night and sits here alone, sadness comes, and if one goes on deck, there are the stars high overhead in the clear sky. In the south is a smoldering aurora arch, which from time to time sends up streamers, a constant restless flickering. We have been talking a little about this expedition, Sverdrup and I. When we were out on the ice in the afternoon, he suddenly said, Yes, Next October you will, perhaps, not be on board the Fram. To which I had to answer that, unless the winter turned out badly, I probably should not. But still I cannot believe in this rightly myself. Every night I am at home in my dreams, but when the morning breaks, I must again, like Helga, gallop back on the pale horse by the way of the reddening dawn, not to the joys of Valhalla, but to the realm of eternal ice. For thee alone, Sigrun, of the Sava mountain, must Helga swim in the dew of sorrow. End of file 17